You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Come to site now. We've got uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end rankings. We're going to do a deep dive into the rest of the fantasy football analysis here all August long, so check us out there. And here on Locked On Fantasy Football, it's a new week, and a new perspective on fantasy football is here. I think it's time to talk about some sleepers and busts. That's what we'll do here for the first four days of this week. We'll do AFC sleepers, then we'll come back with NFC sleepers, then come back with the AFC busts and NFC busts. So kind of uh, reading the lines here to see whose player trends are going up, whose player trends are going down, who's a bit overrated, who's a bit underrated. We want to cover that whole thing, but we figure we'll stick with the positive first and look at the sleeper. So we'll get through uh, 16 sleepers of note for the AFC that we're watching very closely in this pre-fantasy football draft process. Then we'll do the same with the NFC and then uh, come back and look at the downside of things, the busts, uh, guys that are inflated a bit here going into the process either by ranking or ADP or perception. That's also important here. So just in general... You can be undervalued in many ways, and that's what we're looking at first, and then we're going to look at the overvalued player. So good comprehensive look. We'll get to all 32 teams on both sides of this before it's all said and done. So we'll do the AFC first. We'll do what we usually do with the AFC. We go uh, division by division, alphabetical order, east to west, and uh, get to every team here over three segments of the show. So exciting times. Love talking sleepers and busts, and uh, we'll get to do that here for most of this week. All right, let's uh, dive right in, shall we? We'll start with the AFC East. We'll go to the Buffalo Bills. And the guy that's standing out as sleeper to me is John Brown, the wide receiver. Now, look at Josh Allen. I think he's about right here. Devin Singletary kind of being adjusted for the Zach Moss presence. But John Brown, I think, has been faded a little too hard because of the arrival of Stefan Diggs. Keep in mind, John Brown was very solid last year. He stayed healthy, produced well with Josh Allen. So there's some good chemistry there. Cole Beasley early is banged up. He's having some more injury issues going into the season. He's the slot guy. John Brown has that potential as well to pull work on the inside if needed. They might look at the rookie Gabriel Davis a little bit more. We talked about him as uh, someone coming on that they want to get some big playability in four receiver sets. But John Brown totally can't be forgotten here. He produced very well. He's got the established chemistry with Allen. They want to throw the ball a little bit more in Buffalo. That's pretty clear here to try to push Allen uh, to get the ball spread around, throw it downfield. I think that's going to be an important next step if uh, the Bills, reality-wise, want to uh, win or win big here out of the East, uh, at least take the division away from the Patriots uh, for starters. But So there's all something tied with that. Brown was very reliable all over the field, ran good routes, uh, was very consistent with what the Bills wanted to do. So Stefan Diggs, we know, has a tendency to be a bit boomer bust. We saw that with the Vikings last year where there were some games where he disappeared. A lot of it was the Vikings were very run heavy. So 
Diggs had to deal with that, uh, some inconsistency from Kirk Cousins. He also had Adam Thielen on the other side. So some of these are going to factor in again in the situation with the Bills. They're going to pop up. But Brown just being undervalued because I think he's very central to this offense. Tight end, we'll have to wait and see with Dawson Knox. And Tyler Croft, again, Beasley going in a little banged up. Brown should see some favorable coverage away from Diggs. And uh, build on uh, what he did with Allen last year. He was a good fit in Brian Dable's offense. So John Brown we're going to monitor. Right now he's being taken uh, outside of the wide receiver three range. I think at least he can be boosted in that. And his value can be uh, at least uh, somewhat similar to last year. Maybe a few less uh, targets here and there. But I think he's uh, not going to go away as a key part, an integral part of this offense. Diggs Diggs just means adding on. It's not replacing Brown, that's an important distinction to make. They were happy with Brown, what Cole Beasley did as well, but they really were hurting on the second outside receiver spot. So Diggs kind of shores that up. Diggs, Brown, and Beasley give them some pretty good slot versatility, so they can get guys open. So smoke. There still can be some fire here with Diggs arriving in town. The next team we will talk about as we go down the line, we go from Buffalo to the Miami Dolphins. And the sleeper that I've circled is Mike Gusecki, the tight end. Now, Chan Gailey, it's been a while since we've seen his offense at work. He usually likes to use three wide receivers. But there was an early indication here with uh, Jar- with uh, Jarvis Landry long gone that they need to replace uh, kind of that slot production. And the way they're going into the season round, Devontae Parker got a nice new deal, had a big breakout season finally with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, that connection last year was a very big time, and Parker really helped to a league uh, title a lot of uh, players with that production down the stretch. So you look at Parker, Preston Williams on the mend. He's still a young receiver coming off a knee injury. They do want to feature Gusecki as kind of the slot receiver in this offense, so that's exactly what you want. You want your uh, tight end to operate as a third target at Worst as much as possible. Sometimes it gets uh, lower than that, but usually you don't return the tight end one value that you're looking for. But Mike Gusecki is kind of ranked right outside the tight end ones right now, but he's going to be used well. He's very talented from Penn State. I think there was a little bit of frustration that uh, Chad O'Shea, the previous offense coordinator, didn't use him as much. There, Gusecki can uh, benefit from Ryan Fitzpatrick trusting the position. Then if they have to switch to Tutag Viola, we know he plays the ideal security blanket there at tight end. So Gusecki, I really like to maybe crack in to the tight end one atmosphere here. And uh, again, he should be very busy this offense. And I assume that he will take over the role essentially as their number three wide out to kind of a hybrid player anyway, very good receiver tight end. And uh, that should lead to a very nice uh, sneaky productive season as a guy that you, you can take later in the drafts. The next team we look at is the New England Patriots. Now, there's a lot of talk about Cam Newton. Now, Cam Newton, to me, is not a sleeper. I think we are all aware of what Cam Newton can do, and if he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots, and they're incorporating his running and throwing, that we know he already has QB1 upside. But the question mark has been Julian Edelman, and I think it's a little bit tied with Julian Edelman and Cam Newton. That why Edelman is ranked as a deep wide receiver three here. People early were concerned with Jared Stidham. Tom Brady and Edelman had such good chemistry, so you made the pivot to Stidham. But what we heard early in the offseason is that Stidham and Edelman were on the same page. 
So trust Edelman the most. You don't have a lot of wide receiver solutions at the other spots. Muhammad Sanu is still banged up. Nikhil Harry uh, still learning as a second-year player, first-round pick from last year. So it's uh, still a work in progress with the other parts of the receiving core. They're trying to figure out tight end between Dalton Keene, Matt, and Matt Lacoste, and uh, Devin Aziazi. So they've got so many things they need to figure out elsewhere. They have one reliable guy that they can trust all over the field, run routes, coming off his most productive season ever, by the way, Julian Edelman. So when you think about that, uh, instead of them working with Edelman, he's going to rely a lot on him, short to intermediate passing game. Cam Newton, we know that he worked out with Edelman and made sure that he was on the same page with him and connected. So Julian Edelman is just that type of receiver. I think he doesn't get enough credit. Standalone, I think he was got kind of lumped in with Brady, and some people just seem okay. He's just another Wes Welker, Danny Amendola, but he's a lot better than those guys in terms of uh, being able to line up outside, provide some value there. Edelman again, just being undervalued. He's not juicy. He's not going to explode for big plays necessarily, but you look up, the volume is going to be good. He's going to be highly productive. So Julian Edelman again being undervalued, even with the quarterback changes uh, here, whether it's a uh, Newton or Stidham here in 2020. Finally, the last uh, team we have to talk about in the AFC East before we take our first break here is the New York Jets. And uh, New York Jets, I'm not really high on Sam Darnold. Jameson Crowder is pretty low buried anyway at wide receiver. So what do we have to find in the passing game? Now, we're not sure about Chris Herndon versus Ryan Griffin. People are talking up Herndon quite a bit here. And I like that, but Griffin is still around, and he did have some production last year. And the Jets quarterbacks did uh, throw to Griffin, and he can be valuable in this offense. So that seems like more of a committee approach. The answer then seems to be Brashad Perryman, because you look at Perryman's uh, profile, very similar to the guys replacing Robbie Anderson. Came on strong, was very productive in December last year. Really filled in well for the Bucks. Ran great routes. Uh, filled in for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans as a key starter when they were both hamstrung to end the season. So when you think about that, Brashad Perryman, first-round pick. We know he's got some good pedigree. Same class there as uh, Parker from Miami. So when you think about that, I mean, Perryman, I think he profiles more like a number one. I think he's become more complete receiver. He came in all about speed when he was drafted by the Ravens, the son of a Brett Perryman, a former NFL receiver. So when you look at uh, Perryman in this offense, I think he's settled in pretty nicely there into the Anderson role. I think he's a little bit more complete in the Anderson role. Crowder can be a security blanket here, but now you have uh, Le'Veon Bell to kind of compete for that work as well as the tight end. So Perryman, the other receiver is Denzel Mims on the outside, the rookie from Baylor. So Perryman, good all-around skill set. They paid him considerably well to uh, basically fill in and replace Anderson, who moved on to the Panthers. So he's a guy we're definitely looking at as a sleeper. Again, the Jets' wide receiver situation seems like one to avoid, but if you're going to drag some value out of it, I'm not interested in the low-end PPR production of Crowder. I want to go for the higher upside of Perryman if I'm targeting the Jets in that capacity. All right, so that's the four teams down here in our first segment. Twelve more to go here on uh, Locked on Fantasy Football as we look at the AFC latest sleepers here to uh, talk about. But 
We first have to take a moment to talk about DoorDash. Yes, DoorDash is the way you can continue to support local restaurants and communities safely. And there are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. This is the best way to support your favorite restaurants by going to DoorDash for delivery. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms might be closed in a lot of instances, they're still open for delivery to take care of you and your family with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, whatever it is, right to your door. With DoorDash and the DoorDash app, ordering is easy. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With more than 300,000 partners in the United States, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants such as Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities they operate in safely, so you can... Uh, Get your d food delivered and uh, not worry at all. And right now, you, the listener locked on Fantasy Football, can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code Locked On. That's $5 off your and order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked On. Don't forget, that's Locked On for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. So, Check out DoorDash, support them, support a local business, and uh, you're in uh, good shape for your next meal. We'll be right back here to uh, start looking at the sleepers to watch for in the AFC North. All right, uh, let's continue here with the AFC North sleepers. We got rid of all the sleeper talk in the AFC East for now. Ever-changing situations with these players. We know that as uh, training camps have opened across the league. Well, let's look at the Ravens. Uh, we did uh, look at the rookie outlook. A lot of battles we're watching. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has to be the guy we look at. Uh, prolific run-heavy offense. Mark Ingram getting a little older. Better skill set, better explosiveness than what Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram have to offer in this uh, Ravens offense here in uh, 2020. So it's a guy that we we're going to be on the lookout for. I think he's too special back. I know people are worried about the crowd here between Jackson touching the ball about 12 times, being an effective running back, supporting these guys in his own right, to Ingram having 15 touches last year, to uh, what you saw with... Edwards and Hill filling in a little bit last year, but Dobbins, again, incorporates the special young power, explosive talent of Edwards and Hill, takes it to another level. Ingram, uh, they want to ease the burden on him a little bit. You can bet Dobbins was a luxury pick in the second round. They didn't have to go in that direction, but saw something in him that uh, could be special in their offense, and uh, they need to keep taking their offense to the next level because as good as it was, now, how they dominated on the ground, they still didn't end up uh, winning the Super Bowl, had to bow out against the Titans in the playoffs. They want to have a more explosive offense, a better running game to, to help uh, facilitate the deeper passing game with Jackson, and uh, J.K. Dobbins gives them a little bit of everything there with three-down skill set that they can't ignore at some point this season. The next team we look at, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow is the sleeper of choice here. Joe Burrow is about 16 to 20th in the drafts here, well off the QB1 radar, looking more QB2-ish deep here, and uh, maybe in some mind a QB3 outside of the top 24. But 
when you look at it, the weapon's very good. Joe Burrow's very good. He's got a lot of uh, guys to throw to. This team's going to be throwing off in, and their defense has got a lot of issues there as they rebuild here. And uh, they upgraded some things, offensive line, have a decent running game. Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard are pretty good outlet uh, receivers here on top of everything else. A.J. Green is in the mix, and uh, that's on top of having Tyler Boyd and uh, T. Higgins, the second-round pick. Auden Tate is still around here. John Ross maybe can be a big playmaker. We'll see what we get at tight end for the Bengals as well. Maybe C.J. Ozuma becomes a bigger factor. So there's all kinds of things to like in the Bengals' offense. They're going to be trailing and uh, needing Burrow to throw quite a bit. So volume is going to help Burrow in uh, 2020, and the town certainly will, as well as as the supporting cast that can help him uh, produce here as a rookie, number one overall pick. There's a lot of buzz about him being rookie of the year offensively. I think uh, that could go to another player. We'll talk about him later, but he's going to be up there. He's going to be confident, use his weapons, go out there and play pretty well. And we know Kyler Murray, what he returned with his running ability, Burrow can uh, get in the conversation with his passing ability as a borderline QB1 that we're going to watch here this season. uh, He definitely has all the way up to that potential to finish in the top 12 in uh, scoring for quarterbacks. The next player we talk about another guy that went number one overall just a couple years ago that's Baker Mayfield so sticking with the quarterback theme I mean Mayfield again I think he's going to be much improved this offense Kevin Stefanski suits him a little bit better they're going to incorporate play action they're going to protect him better they're going to give him deeper receivers we already know that Kareem Hunt now uh, in the mix for sure as the change of pace receiving back to Nick Chubb Austin Hooper helping David Njoku you had uh, Rashard Higgins return behind uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, who are healthier. Donovan Peoples-Jones was drafted. So a lot of things going around Baker Mayfield. And on top of that, you get Jedrick Wills and uh, the help of Jack Conklin at the offensive tackles to uh, really better protect Mayfield, keep him locked and loaded here to have a big rebound season here in 2020. So love uh, what's going around Mayfield here with Cleveland. Like the way the Browns could uh, bounce back here. And he's going to be a big part of it. He holds the keys to a lot of very good offensive skill players on the other side of his passes. So, again, Burrow and Mayfield, two uh, sources of potential uh, fantasy sleeperdom from the AFC North teams. For the Steelers, uh, we do have another passing game element to be a sleeper. He's Deontay Johnson, the wide receiver. Again, when they drafted him, he compared favorably to Antonio Brown and Emmanuel Sanders. Physically, same type of skill set, running routes, uh, being able to do everything on the field. Juju Smith-Schuster returning. How will he handle that coming off an injury, readjusting to Roethlisberger? He had a bit of trouble there feeding off uh, receivers that weren't Antonio Brown and a limited passing game. But Deontay Johnson, I like everything he can do in this offense. He can line up everywhere as well, make some big plays, be a good possession guy, be a good scoring guy. So, I feel like uh, Roethlisberger is uh, going to lock with him for sure. James Washington is fading. We talked about that last week. Chase Claypool, still a rookie here. Smith-Schuster is bound to get a lot of uh, blanket coverage here. So Johnson was very productive despite all that mess with Mason Rudolph and Doc Hodges last year. So I expect him uh, to uh, be very good here for the Steelers in 2020 and uh, really uh, knock the door on a wide receiver three strong status. The next team we talk about as we flip to the AFC South, it would be the Houston Texans. 
And my sleeper is Duke Johnson. Now, why Duke Johnson? Well, he has kind of been written off as just this pure receiving back, but now he's behind David Johnson. And David Johnson, again, 29, has had a history of injuries. The wear and tear has been there. He's had a lot of volume with his uh, time in Arizona. Duke Johnson's been limited. We know that. Uh, Going back to his Browns days, he's always had this receiving role, change of pace. But I think he's capable of touching the ball consistently, seeing three down work. David Johnson can be completely trusted to stay healthy. Duke had some good numbers last year. He did definitely look more explosive at times than Carlos Hyde carrying the ball. So again, I think the wide receiver situation is a little tricky there with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller and the like. But again, if you're going to draft David Johnson, it's a must-have Duke Johnson here. That's all I'm going to say because... He's perfect insurance. He can uh, be featured here. Bill O'Brien is typically used one back uh, situationally. That means uh, not complimentary where he splits the roles for early down and receiving. So Johnson, they trusted to be on the field quite a bit last year. They did check down more because of Johnson's skill set with uh, Deshaun Watson. So something we're going to watch. Uh, David Johnson obviously looks like he could have a nice rebound as a back-end RB1. But to have some nice insurance here, Duke Johnson is a, a worthy late pick for you. Indianapolis Colts are our next team. And uh, you look at the wide receiver core, I'm still looking at Michael Pittman Jr., the re- receiver from USC. He could have a very similar season rookie-wise that Juju Smith-Schuster, another USC product, had a few years ago, working as the big slot. can get open here. T.Y. Hilton fading a little bit as the big playmaker. He's already banged up and hurt here, trying to connect with Phillip Rivers. Michael Pittman... Gives them a little bit of Keenan Allen. We've talked about this before. So Rivers uh, sees some familiarity there. We'll see that in camp. And then Mike Williams as well, because he has the ability to stretch the field at times that's a bit underrated here in this offense, uh, playing off the running game, taking some play-action shots, and uh, all that good stuff. So, again, Michael Pittman Jr. is the guy we're looking at, the son of the former Cardinals and Bucks running back. Very uh, talented player. I liked him a lot. He does a lot of things well. Versatile, runs good routes here. And I think he'll fit well in the Colts offense, especially as they sort out T.Y. Hilton, trying to get the quickness of Paris Campbell on the field. What does Zach Pascal do? Pittman, I think, could easily emerge as their busiest receiver. And number one here, as there's a changing of the guard at quarterback in Indianapolis, could be at wide receiver as well. With Pittman essentially becoming the number one, lining up in a variety of roles as Hilton continues to fade here in 2020. All right, so there you have now a look at 10 teams, six more to go here. Uh, make sure you're checking out all the great shows on the Lockdown Network. That includes uh, Lockdown NFL. That's right, the flagship show here about uh, reality pro football. That's hosted by Brian Peacock, featuring former NFL scout Matt Williamson. So check out that show. Get the reality take on everything going on in training camp. Compliment this show. Good uh, listening buddies there on this Lockdown Network. So check them out here, Lockdown NFL, on uh, your preferred podcast provider, wherever you get this podcast, you can get Lockdown NFL as well here on the Lockdown Network. All right, we'll close here in a moment looking at uh, the rest of the AFC South and the AFC West, their top sleepers of note for 2020 in fantasy football. All right, let's pick up where we left off. We had uh, two teams down. We talked about Houston and Indianapolis and the AFC South and their fantasy football standout sleeper. Let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars now. Gardner Minshew 
Very similar to uh, Joe Burrow being on a team where he's the unquestioned young franchise quarterback for now. They didn't really bring in true competition for him. Moved on from Nick Foles, so they want to see more of Gardner Minshew here in 2020. And why wouldn't you? He had some great moments last year, captivated the fans, put the Jaguars a little bit more on the map nationally here. So you look at it, uh, they went out and helped Gardner Minshew. They get a new offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden. They get Chris Thompson, a receiving back. They get Tyler Eifert, a legitimate tight end that uh, we haven't had uh, necessarily in Jacksonville. It's been a mixed bag of different guys under Doug Marone. And then you get LaVisca Cheneau Jr. This was a little bit of a bonus out of Colorado. So you add him. DJ Chark is your clear number one here. You have uh, some other guys in the mix. Chris Conley, D.D. Westbrook working the slot. You have uh, Keelan Cole still hanging around in this uh, Jaguars offense. So quite a few weapons for Minshew to spread the ball around, starting with Chark. Figure out that's going to help Cheneau and Westbrook. Eifert is going to have a presence here. Thompson catching passes out of the backfield. So... When you start adding up weapons, you realize the team is going to throw pretty often, be phased maybe away from the power running game and sticking with that conservatively and want to see everything Minshew's got. This lines up for Minshew to be rather productive, throw the ball around. Now he's way down there, well below Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield in the rankings, but he's a guy that I'd like to have on my bench, have a chance to uh, stream with in the right matchups from time to time. Uh, QB2 for sure on my team, I think. Minshew is a pretty durable younger quarterback as well. So a lot of things to like, again, as the Jaguars maybe pivot to that West Coast full-on type of passing game where he spreads the ball around, uh, uses athleticism, gets the ball out quickly, uh, different guys score for him. So Minshew certainly has a lot of uh, weaponry around him for Jaguars offense where we don't necessarily think with explosive, but there's some potential there with Minshew this year. The next team we talk about, the Tennessee Titans, is... Uh, Looking like Joni Smith is a tight end we want to look at more and more as a sleeper tight end one. Delaney Walker is gone, retired. Uh, they're still trying to sort out the receiving core behind A.J. Brown, clear number one, wide receiver one in fantasy. We're uh, seeing if Corey Davis still has life here to be a complimentary receiver. He's already hurt. So it's all pointing to Joni Smith, who's worked hard with uh, Ryan Tannehill to uh, make sure that uh, he can take over as the top target at the position. So tight end is a little bit tough. I think people are gravitating to guys that they're familiar with, but you always have to look for the next Darren Waller type. Jonah Smith has certainly had some promise there, even while Walker has been around. So to me, that's an easy spot to find the Titans top fantasy football sleeper. Jonah Smith catching a lot of intermediate passes from Ryan Tannehill. Now let's uh, turn to the AFC West, and we'll start with the Denver Broncos. And uh, Jerry Judy is our sleeper, the wide receiver, the rookie first-round pick from Alabama. Cortland Sutton is a pretty darn good number one. Drew Locke and Sutton had a pretty good relationship last year. So that opens things up on the other side of the field. I think it's going to be harder to work the slot here because K.J. Hamler is a young receiver. Deshaun Hamilton learning this new Pat Shermer offense. Judy in the same boat as them, but... I think Judy can be certainly busy here to be that number two and uh, work inside-outside for Drew Locke. I think they'll have a good relationship here as uh, time goes on. Sutton uh, drawing coverage away from him also is going to help here. So all things really feel good about uh, Jerry Judy having a role here with the Broncos. And again, tight end, no fan. He was the first-round pick from last year, but they've got some more bodies there, including Nick Vanette, Albert Aquiganem, and... Uh, 
also looking at Jeff Hireman at that position where Judy, not really anyone specific in his role. You might have uh, Hamler and Hamilton fight for that uh, slot job. Sutton is really the big target, uh, nice size, a deep threat there. But Judy can be busy catching routes, catching uh, balls from routes all over the field here for the Broncos. So Jerry Judy stands out as my top sleeper from Denver. We go to the Chiefs. This is no longer a sleeper, folks. He's now going from sleeper, trying to ascend to stud status. I'll be honest about that, but we still wanted to use this time to say how much we like him. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Really, uh, you have uh, some bona fide producers there with Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyree Kill, elite options at their positions. Well, certainly Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can be that as well. Damien Williams has decided to opt out of the season. That gives Edward Solaire the backfield to himself to be the feature back. They've wanted to feature him. They have to trust him in pass protection and in passing downs with Mahomes to completely go there with him. But Williams, it was going to be a timeshare with Williams probably starting here. Edward Solaire being brought along slowly to be more featured in 2020 when Williams is unlikely to be signed as a free agent. So Williams has probably played his last down for Kansas City. But Edward Solaire, I think he was going as a borderline RB1, RB2. Right now, he's potential for a top five, top six production type season. That's how good Andy Reid uh, running games and running backs have been in fantasy football over the years. So Edward Solaire steps into that nice role. He's versatile. He can score a lot of touchdowns as well in a high-scoring offense with an elite quarterback as a passing back. So everything lines up here for Clyde Edward Solaire, not just being a sleeper that is undervalued there as an RB2, but uh, could really end up as a stud RB1 here given his location and his talent as an all-around back for the Chiefs. The next uh, team we'll talk about and the next player is uh, Derek Carr of the Raiders. And why Derek Carr is a sleeper is that look around for the Raiders. They've upgraded this receiving core quite a bit. Darren Waller was retained. He gets some backup help in two tight end sets from one Jason Witten, the future Hall of Famer, former Cowboy, He's in the mix with the Raiders. Uh, you have Hunter Renfro, who has been a big target for Derek Carr. Henry Ruggs III is in there. Tyra Williams should be healthier. Here you have Nelson Aguilar doing some things and looking good there in uh, camp as well. So looking at Ruggs and Renfro and Williams and Aguilar, maybe making the team. Uh, Keelan Doss from last year. Waller and Witten. Josh Jacobs. Jalen Richard. That adds up. Adds up to quite a few players making the plays. I don't think this Raiders team is going to just lock and load Jacobs and be that type of team. They need to open things up, copycat the Chiefs and Mahomes a little bit, get some passing pop in their offense. And the Raiders can be pretty decent. Some buzz about them, obviously, going to Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, maybe the newness will inspire them and John Gruden and everyone to get more out of this offense. Uh, Derek Carr himself will be motivated by Marcus Mariota. So, Whoever has the keys to the Raiders' offense, and right now it's Carr, should have some uh, potential for some good fantasy scoring, a good QB2 value, that's for sure. In uh, some weeks in the right matchups, Carr will give you QB1 value. Finally, we'll talk about the Chargers, our last team that we had to get to in the AFC. Their guide to me is Tyrod Taylor. So sticking with the quarterback theme here as a sleeper in this division, I... Love uh, Taylor because this is not the Brown situation where he kind of was the forced placeholder and then Mayfield started pretty quickly. Justin Herbert is not Mayfield. He wasn't the number one overall pick. He comes in a little bit raw here. Didn't come from the same offensive system. Didn't have the same 
kind of trajectory and upside that was going to have some immediate impact there that Mayfield provided versus Taylor. In this situation, Taylor has the trust of Anthony Lynn. He's produced in this offense before. He's a dual threat with his running, which we know is a key to a lot of the quarterbacks who are in the QB1 range for sure. Tyrod Taylor is going well into the QB3s. I think the concern is, will he keep the job over Herbert? Well, I think the Chargers are going to be pretty good this season, so that's going to help him keep the job as well. Their defense, Joey Bosa and his new contract, they're locked and loaded. Again, the weapons we talked about, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, pretty good array of talent around the quarterback. And then, again, Taylor's running ability, playing off uh, what the Chargers do with Eckler, Justin Jackson, all that good stuff. So, again, Anthony Lynn is used to him uh, playing for him, so he'll throw everything at him, won't have any limitations. Taylor also has a big arm, can get the ball downfield to these receivers, and Henry pretty well as well. So, again, Taylor, one of those guys that you could stash and you could easily return that value. And if the Chargers are in the playoff hunt all season and Taylor's playing decent, that seem would seem to go hand-in-hand hand here, then he's going to be the man. They're going to follow through with him. And uh, with his running ability, that's what we really look at. If he adds some of that to his downfield passing, get some touchdowns on the board, he's certainly going to attain much higher value than his, again, deep uh, QB3 status at the moment. And uh, the only thing is uh, clearing up him and Herbert here going forward to make us feel that way. But good stash regardless when you're taking flyers at quarterbacks late in the draft. You may end up with some... Uh, Backdoor QB1 value in certain weeks uh, to help you in your streaming situations or maybe even more than that from uh, Taylor in this particular offense with this particular supporting cast and this particular coach. All right, so there you have it. There's a look at uh, the key sleepers now that have emerged for every AFC team in fantasy football for 2020. We'll do the same thing uh, looking at the sleepers for the NFC tomorrow, so check that out. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Fantasy Football. This has been Vinny Iyer. Now tell your smart speaker to play the most recent episode of Locked on NFL. Have a great day. See you tomorrow with a look at the NFC Sleepers. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.